This is Beth Girl with Dr. Matt Winter from University of Florida College of Veterinary Medicine talking to us today on the top five radiographic interpretation errors to avoid. Radiographic interpretation is definitely an intimidating task. It's just one of those things that people feel uncomfortable with because there are no easily visible normal or abnormal values like you get to see on a CBC or a chem panel. And so it just becomes an intimidating task. And I think there are a few basic mistakes that people tend to make just because they're either uncomfortable or they're rushing through their day. And so I just wanted to outline a couple of them. It's by no means an exhaustive list, but definitely the things I see most commonly. Probably the first thing is that a lot of people feel that it's okay to take one projection. And this is something that, as a radiologist, we definitely don't like. And the reason for that is that we have a two-dimensional representation of a three-dimensional object. And that makes it really difficult to triangulate something's position based solely on one image. So we always want to get at least two projections of a patient in order to better identify the location of a lesion. Location, just like in real estate, is everything. We want to know where something is so we can tell a little bit more about what that abnormality actually means. The second thing I see most commonly is the lack of a systematic approach. Now, a systematic approach is not always necessary. It's not as though you always have to do the same thing over and over and over again. But it is true that the more we have a repetitive, familiar process, the less prone we are to making mistakes in our interpretations. So having some regular, systematic, and thorough approach to interpretation is an important part of radiographic interpretation. Whatever works for you is fine as long as you can remember it and do it repeatedly. Sometimes we're distracted by an abnormality so much that we have to look at it first and we deviate from our system. But as long as we go back and make sure that we've reviewed everything, I think it's really important. The other thing that I think we've come up against a lot in radiographic interpretation is what's called a satisfaction of search error, where we're taking the radiographs so we can confirm a suspicion that we already have for a diagnosis. A lot of times we look for the evidence of that disease and then stop there without reviewing the entire image or both images, as I said earlier. So because of that, we end up seeing what we want to see and nothing more. And a lot of times there may be other evidence for disease or maybe something that points to another disease process altogether. So it's important that once we've seen what we expect, we continue to interpret until we're done. Another problem that is common is not having some normal images available for comparison. It's sometimes hard to remember what normal should look like, and there are so many different variations on the theme of normal that it becomes difficult for us to remember what they all look like. As a radiologist, I do this all day long, and so I see lots of different variations of normal. When you're out there practicing every facet of veterinary medicine under the sun, sometimes it's hard to remember all the different variations on the theme of normal, and having a book or some other reference available that you can use for comparison can be really handy. On that note, it's all important to remember that, especially in the case of the appendicular skeleton, we often have a built-in normal control. So if you need to, snap a quick set of radiographs of the contralateral limb if you're looking at a thoracic or pelvic limb lameness. It's an easy way to make a comparison to the dog's other side. The last thing I see commonly is difficulties interpreting pulmonary patterns. I think everybody hates pulmonary patterns. I even hate pulmonary patterns. And the truth is that they're not as important as everybody would have you believe. But what I think I find most commonly is that if you're just not sure, you call it an interstitial pattern. And the truth is an interstitial pattern is really not all that helpful as far as a radiographic finding. As an exercise, when you're bored, go find the page enthrall that gives you the list of differentials for an unstructured interstitial pattern. You'll find they range basically from benign to malignant and everything in between. 
So calling something a mild, unstructured interstitial pattern is a very unhelpful thing and usually means you're a little bit confused about patterns. Patterns don't help you that much. Alveolar patterns are great to identify, and if they're craniventral, it's probably pneumonia, and if they're cotodorsal, it's probably some form of pulmonary edema. And aside from that, I don't find them to be particularly useful as far as giving you a succinct and prioritized list of differential diagnoses. So if you're not sure that you can spot a pulmonary abnormality, and you just want to say that there's an interstitial pattern, stop, think again, and maybe consult your local radiologist.